0: Hey friends, it's Fred Greenhalgh, producer here at Realm. A new episode of Ominous Thrill is ready for your ears. It's Advice After Dark. Late night radio host Bella Donna delivers extreme advice to the delighted horror of her audience until a creepy listener forces her to confront the brutal consequences of her show. Here's a preview.
1: Welcome to my live stream, Bella. Say hello to everyone.
2: What do you want?
1: Click the link. Watch
2: along. I'm not clicking links from psychos. You put
3: that trash on the radio every night and I'm the psycho.
2: You sound like you need help. I'm
3: not one of your fake callers. My show is very, very real. Do you want to know what it's called?
2: No, I don't. It's called
1: Belladonna Gets What's Coming. Starring you. What? It's really starring me. But it's all about you. And you'd be surprised how many people want to watch you get what's coming. I called the police. They'll be here any minute. Yeah, well, we should
0: be done before they get here. Find Ominous Thrill, out now, everywhere you listen.
1: Greetings, adventurers. Before we begin today's tale, we'd like to talk about our sponsor for a service that is both useful and important. We speak, of course, of NordVPN. NordVPN is a virtual private network application, basically a magic item with infinite counterspell scrolls that can work against the scrying factions of the interwebs and various protective charms that keep your virtual communication pigeons and messages safe. In a technical sense, it establishes a secure connection to a remote server in the astral plane and allows you to access so much more content from across the world and greater multiverse.
2: We set up our podcasting business while we still lived in the U.S., but after moving to Germany, we saw several problems arise we hadn't expected. Some of the things we needed on a daily basis are region-locked to the U.S., like our banking. So we started using a VPN to securely log onto the banking website until we could talk to our bank about the issue. After two hours talking with them, their grand solution was exactly what we had figured out, NordVPN.
1: But NordVPN isn't only a stoic bodyguard, it also has a fun side. Did you know that a large variety of entertainment is region-locked, like your old DVDs? What's a DVD? Let's not make us feel old and instead explain that while you're logged into NordVPN, you can stream television shows as if you were in a different country. I mean, realm state. So you might have access to an entirely new lineup of great entertainment from services you're already paying for and subscribed to. NordVPN even unlocked a menagerie of new German horror content we'd never even heard of and are delighted to be enjoying every week.
2: To get the best discount for your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash darkdice. Our link also gives listeners four extra months on a two-year plan. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you've been thinking about using a VPN or are looking for a newer and safer way to utilize the content you're already paying for,
1: or really paranoid that the silent one is secretly reading your emails,
2: give NordVPN a try.
1: Greetings, adventurers! It's been a busy month, and we're excited to share today's episode with you. It will feature some amazing new music, crafted especially for this episode by Mike Petrie and Stephen Malin, which will be available on our Patreon shortly. But I also got to collaborate with one of my favorite sound designers of all time, Dane Leonardson, so we really amped this one up to ten and could not be more proud of it. And speaking of pride, it's Pride Month, and while we're not hosting a digital party for charity this year, we wanted to do something fairly unique. I have recently become aware of a certain fanfiction about Dark Dice, and while I originally planned to write a short adventure based on said fanfiction, quality was there, there just wasn't enough of it. So, we have a competition. Write your own non canonical fan fiction for Dark Dice between now and July 31st, 2021. Post a link to Tumblr, Twitter, using the hashtag DarkDiceFanfic, or email it to us directly, and you'll be eligible to win some Dark Dice merchandise on our T Public store. And also, your story might just be performed by our cast on this show. Though, please note that not all of our cast members are available to record. So, if you're the sort of person who might, write some fan fiction for our show this month and win some really cool merch. Full details and rules are available on darkdice.com on the contest page. In additional note, we'll be releasing our fabled new 5e Dungeons & Dragons class, The True Necromancer, next week. What makes this different from rolling a necromantic wizard? Quite a lot, actually, and there are over 30 pages of new content, new monsters, foul items, including Soren's magic lantern, and multiple quests that will help you seek and attain eternal life. There's no reason your DM won't want to see a true necromancer at your table to use their magic to raise the dead, and also against the living, because after all, inside every person, there's a skeleton waiting to get out. So, next up, we have—oh, hey— Oh well, hey. hey, Russ, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you, Travis F- Fancy meeting you here I-, I know in 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 the internet. What brings you here? I was just finished <laughs> recording my show and
4: then as you hit end call on Zoom, it boop,
1: Boops you over to an, a new show. and obviously today that's that's yours. Oh, well, well, we're gonna we're gonna play some dark dice today. I love it. So so what are uh well, this is the voice of Ildrix Russ D Moore, fantastic podcast creator. what uh what show are you working on right now? well the show is
4: called facing fate and the new season that we've just started dropping on june 14th is called black night
1: and it will be releasing every monday for the next 10 weeks or so oh you got a new season so it's like story based seasons on the show each season is a new genre new
4: world new characters uh completely separate or are they from the rest (laughs) very well edited i might add as well
1: thank you thank you what's what's the story what's the story what's the hook hook us in
4: so, it's a show within a show travel. Follow me on this. It's, we're going to go on a journey before we even get to the journey. Each show starts with a with a regular demon family just sitting down to watch a watch a primetime reality TV show, much like one would do in in the regular world as a demonic family does. This TV show brings in unsuspecting humans who are joining a contest to be the world's greatest live action role player. And then as you go through the season, the stakes rise. So it becomes more deadly.
1: Yes, yes. A show within a show. A show within a show. The stakes get so deadly. If
4: if (laughs) you followed us this far, then Facing Fate's for you, and we hope that you come join us over there.
1: And it's available wherever we find podcasts? Anywhere
4: you find podcasts. Just search for Facing Fate or visit us at facingfate.com.
1: Fantastic. So to summarize, support us on Patreon to get access to cool music, check out Russ's new season of Facing Fate and try out our new True Necromancer class on either our Patreon or on DriveThroughRPG.com. Now, let's get started A story of monsters
0: mystery and myth and the four adventurers who have banded together as heroes and as friends. And then he hears Val's voice from above and then he basically feels better yeah. <laughs> Who come together To make the world a little safer for their fellow mortals. Large creatures. I brought Hody. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: We can't put Hody in danger.
0: Well, I guess it's hero time. Reckless Attack is a weekly, collaboratively built and character-driven D&D 5th edition actual play podcast. Join us at our table as we explore a homebrew fantasy world whose future is built on the mistakes of the past. A story of ultra giants and saints, legends and rediscovery, and stacks of frogs.
2: Checkers is building his own Ewok village.
0: Check us out at RecklessAttack.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.
2: Shaelis Deepes. Salis.
1: Do you seek him?
2: Do you seek him? Do you seek him? Do you seek him?
1: Do you seek
2: the nameless god?
1: You have found yourself among those who roll the dark dice. What you are about to hear happened long ago, a story brought back from the edge of oblivion, dutifully transcribed, and enhanced orally to better captivate your attention. Previously, a team of adventurers survived their own executions at the hands of elves. Still within the dead pines, miles from civilization, not all is what it seems. Dark Dice, The Long Road, Chapter 2B, Quartet.
3: Is anyone out there?
2: Down here. Oh. Greetings. And excuse me, um, I'm, I'm sorry for waking you, but I'm looking for the monster hunter. Do I have the right barn?
3: Yes. Um, I'm sorry. The uh, owner of the farm said it was all right for me to stay here. Well, he's out visiting family in Lopovicho.
2: No, that's fine. Barn, tree, or manor, I'm here to inquire about your services, not question why you're sleeping in Old Man Rizzo's barn. Though I'm not too sure anyone, even animals, should be sleeping in here.
3: Oh, that'll make this conversation so much easier. How can I be of help?
2: It's a bit of a long story. Oh, sure.
3: Always time for a story. Why don't you share your story over breakfast, hmm? I've got some salted bread and butter I'm about to heat up.
2: I, uh, we really don't have a lot of time.
3: That's all right. Why don't you come in from the rain while I cook and pack my things? That way, if you need my services, I'll be ready to go by the time we're done talking.
2: That will work. I'm Sister Savarai, Caverns Fall of the Temple of Alluvian. Thank you for inviting me into... out of the rain.
3: Very nice to meet you, Sister. I'm... Uh, Carver... Silly. <laughs> so- uh, my name is Soren, Soren Arkwright, uh, of the Bright Vale.
2: Well met Arkwright. And I'm guessing that's Daisy, Meeks, Enzo, and Butters.
3: Yes, though not in that order. Uh, Butters is the large one, with the most copper in his horns.
2: Hmm, copper-coated ibex. Dwarven mine copper is still the superior product, but I can see the appeal. Sorry, distraction. Oh, that's
3: quite fine. Salted toast...
2: No, thank you. We need to discuss your services. Sure, sure. You are a monster hunter.
3: So I'm told.
2: This is serious. Are you actually a monster hunter?
3: I, I, I don't like to think that I go out of my way to hurt things, but unfortunately, sometimes that is exactly what I'm asked to do. by cute townsfolk... Like yourself?
2: Adult dwarven women do not particularly enjoy being called cute, Mr. Arkwright. Neither do paladins of Alluvian with a rather strong backswing.
3: Oh, no, I... um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I can see that it didn't come across the way I intended, but I meant no insult by it. Frankly, I'm just not used to being the tall one in a room. It's been happening more and more, I travel around these parts.
2: I'm sorry I overreacted. I just don't like being called cute... This is as tall as I'll ever be, and among the humans of the temple, it can be rather irksome.
3: Absolutely. Noted.
2: So you are explaining that you are, in fact, a monster hunter.
3: Yes. I've killed quite a few terrible beasts in my time. Flayers, elves, the odd rowdy giant, a few undead rattlers, husks, and more yet. Creatures unnamed and unknown to living men. And terrible fiends that make their nests deep within the earth. <laughs> it's all the same to me. I'm asked to tread into the deep unknown and hunt the very things that prey on communities such as this one. Mm. Red?
2: No, thank you. Mm. Your services include tracking? Yes.
0: Mm. Sure do mm.
3: It's the perfect mix of sweet and uh, salty. Mm. I know this sounds basic, but here, I'll try a bite with a slice of avocado. Hmm?
2: In a minute, we really don't have time for avocado toast, Arkwright. Mm. My purpose for being here is to ask for your assistance. Oh? Last night the children went missing.
3: Your children?
2: What? No, I don't have children.
3: Well, I, I didn't want to assume.
2: No, or... the children of this village.
3: Oh, that makes a lot more sense. How many of them are missing?
2: Fourteen in total.
3: And how long have they been missing?
2: Since last night, all of them just seem to have vanished
3: and you're sure they're not uh, playing a prank or you know having a surprise party for someone
2: a week ago, I received a note it said to stop construction of the temple I've been building or there would be consequences. It also said that a great quiet would darken the hearts of the village
3: can I I feel...
2: I uh, I kind of burnt it in a rage um, Some of the villagers don't appreciate Illuvian's teachings Yet uh, I didn't think them capable of violence or kidnapping Especially against their own neighbors I thought maybe they would attempt to, I don't know, just steal the bell, pull down some rafters
3: hmm. It seems like the children might really be in danger then
2: Yes, which is why I'm here. I'm going to be part of an expedition to find the children, and we need a skilled tracker.
3: I would be an ideal candidate. I know the dead pines better than most skilled in my trade.
2: We can offer you four gold per day, and with Luvian's guidance and a little bit of luck, the entire journey shouldn't last more than two or three days.
3: That's, um, all the gold the grieving villagers put together, then?
2: Yes, uh, we can make it five gold per day, but that's... That's it. Pulling from the coffers. We just want to get the children home safe.
0: Hmm.
3: I have a counter offer. Instead of gold, I'll track the children if you'll share a meal with me after we get back. An actual meal, ideally with friendly conversation. No funny business. Avocados optional. Hmm?
2: You know I'm not a skilled chef, right?
3: Well, if it's truly terrible, I also get a second meal where you bring items from a list that I provide, and I cook the food. Or we cook it together. Uh, do we have a deal, sister?
2: You're getting the worst side of the coin, but yes, we have a deal.
3: <laughs> Good.
2: Thank you, Arkwright. The villagers won't believe your generosity.
3: Uh, call me Soren, and save your thanks until after we've found the children. If this is a prank, uh, where were any of them last seen?
2: On the east side of town, near the mayor's home.
3: All right. Hmm. And I'll head over there now.
2: I'll gather the rest of the search party and meet you there. Thank you again, Soren.
0: Soren. Soren, are you uh,
3: are you okay? You stopped walking.
1: Soren's gaze returned to focus on the men in front of him, as his daydream, the memory vivid enough to all of his senses, quickly faded.
4: Yeah. You've been gazing off for a while, friend. Uh, yeah, sorry.
3: Um, Right, okay.
1: The team turned and continued their slow-moving trod through the shin-deep snow of the dead pines. The sickly crimson light overhead, like the light of a dying campfire, peeked through the trees casting long shadows. Features covered in light frost, breaths frozen. It was an additional half hour before the team reached a location suitable for camp. It yes, was. Yes.
0: Uh, excuse me. Hey, but, I'm going to uh, just be gathering, gathering some wood. Uh, forgive me if I uh, inadvertently uh, hum to myself a little Elven tune of which I'm fond. Okay. Um, please forgive me if I indulge. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, great! Magical music.
1: <laughs> where, where did all these instruments come from? Steven, how am I going to justify this in World? What? Gotcha. Uh, our music team says uh, Jeff's character now has one level in Bard, I guess. Uh, are you guys sure about that? Okay, if you and Michael do it. All right. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, you got it. They really want to do this. Okay. Well, let's keep going then. Balmer was gathering some wood.
4: You'll have to teach us
0: some elfin parlor songs. Here's a little uh, a parlor tune. Huh. It's, it's three-part harmony. See if, can, Fantastic. Uh, see if you can join in if you've got uh, the ear for that kind of thing. Uh-oh. Oh, I know this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, let's sing some good songs. Every <laughs> Nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> think about that. Okay. Boom, boom, boom bong ding ding bong ding ding bong ding ding bong ding bong ding ding bong ding so so cool
2: fun do you know any more
0: Hey Gail what if he's one of those elven wizards huh but- Maybe someone should be listening to me here. Uh, here, here's another one. Uh, wait wait, minute. Here, 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 I know. This, this makes good harmony. Wait a second. Oh, I know it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, I did it. I knew I was going to do it.
2: No, I'm quite enjoying this.
0: <laughs> that was awfully strange even for us. Stupid magical music, see what I
1: mean? Yeah. Awfully strange, he says.
0: We're already beset with elven magic.
1: Okay. Balmer, who stated that he was a skilled woodsman, began a search for viable branches with Ildrix, while Glom, Gale, and Soren set up a camp area, clearing out the snow.
0: Yeah, I'm just gathering wood, and uh... What? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah,
1: yeah, feel free to join in there. That's also a good hmm. round. The DM took 10 stress damage. Moving on. As Soren prepared kindling, he reached for his dagger, that cursed blade of crimson and steel. Noting its strange absence from his belt, Soren began to check his pack, his lantern. The place where he normally kept a lantern. Uh, No. Where was it? Soren frantically searched for a few moments until he realized he did not desire the dagger, but rather was searching out of habit, out of fear, that accursed blade which had always found its way back to his hand, which seemed to whisper gently for more blood, was no longer on his person. This... Strange and simple revelation allowed him to recover ten stress damage as the burden of the blade's curse was finally lifted, or perhaps more aptly, shifted to some other unfortunate soul. Twenty minutes later, without the aid of magical music, the team found themselves before the warmth of their campfire. The muted quiet of the woods put them almost at ease as their immediate tasks were completed and they could now relax. Relax as much as one could within the creeping fog and the shadows of the dead pines.
0: So, um, yeah, hey, fog is starting to roll. Uh, despite my recent captivity, I, I I can take first watch if y'all need to rest.
1: I
3: don't mind uh, staying up with you if the others need some sleep.
4: That would be wonderful. Um, as, you, as you need rest, wake me and I will take second.
3: Glom moves as far to the edge as he can and mutters, Great. The witch and the zombie are gonna keep first watch. I kind of look down at my hand color, a little injured by that comment, but not much. I'm not letting it show. Just, just yet. But that does bring up some questions for later.
2: Gail follows Glom and gives him a bit of a kick on the foot. What? Just behave, for goodness sake. Okay, fine.
3: He is evil, I'm just saying it for the record. I didn't say anything.
2: We've had a long week of tracking and following the L, so a rest sounds wonderful.
1: As the night grew darker, please knock off one day's trail rations, as it's assumed that everyone begins eating at this point in time, unless otherwise stated.
3: Speaking of assumptions, uh, Glom sort of sidles up to Gale. Um, Gale, uh, can I uh, borrow one of your trail rations? I uh, didn't bring any again.
2: Here you are, and she'll pass him one of her rations while she's eating.
4: Where I come from, it is often customary to tell a story when sharing a meal together. And as Glom is eating, Balmer is eating, and Soren is very interested in his hands at the moment, I will share a story that I have heard. Are you familiar with the story of the human who unified your realm states roughly 500 years ago? The Realm Weaver. Ah, I see you have already heard that one. Uh, let me try something different. So, I have studied the arts of breathing quietly and thinking for some time. Uh, Meditation. And while I do not consider myself an expert, I traveled a great distance from my home in hopes of learning more about myself and others. And also, so I might better understand all of creation. Yep. But please save your interjections until I'm done, as I do not wish to see food fall from your mouths. Okay. Thank you, Glom. As I was say, there is a... a story, perhaps, that I learned from a peaceful village I stayed with in my time in the mountains. As a tribe skilled in the arts of peace and breathing... They told me a story I had not heard, and it is one that I will now share with you. Many years passed. One of the village elders, skilled in the art of breathing peacefully, fell into a deep trance. This story is about his trance. The man's name was... Oh, let's call him Mordemau, because he was human. Mordemau was beloved in his village and so skilled at peace was he that he'd never killed anything in his entire life. Mortemau had never eaten flesh from any beast, and it was said that not even the bugs where he lived would accost him or drink of his blood. Having lived among the villagers, I questioned the truth behind that statement, but all within the village agreed that Mortemau was peaceful and trusted by all animals. And when he walked, it was without fear one day after a long human lifetime of peace breathing and humility i think that's uh 30 years old Mordemau was ready to learn more about the ways of peace and enter a deeper meditation beyond that which most humans ever hope to achieve they began to send their very soul through the spiritual planes the realm of ghosts, gods, and other creatures from which Mortimau hoped to share and gain wisdom that could help his people. You see, his village had experienced a terrible drought that had harmed their crop. I probably should have led with this part, and that is why Mortimau traveled to the realm of spirits, to seek out the great spider-god Varati, who could grant wishes and make dreams real. Oh, and a point of clarification, Mortimau was actually not male nor female Their village had a word for this that I I do not remember But I will continue the story because I'm getting caught up in the details Mortimau walked Or rather, their spirit traveled in the way spirits do For many miles You see, while their physical body was old and frail Their spiritual one was kind of like a taller version of Glom but stronger and with less pimples. Mortemau shone with a magnificent black aura that glimmered like twilight before a sunrise. And while their hands were soft, they had the strength of a gentle titan. These spiritual features carried them toward the peaks of the great mountains, where the first dragon waited with hungry anticipation. Mortemau knew that this dragon had previously vowed that no man would pass over those cold peaks because some of the villagers had met a swift end there in attempts to find food. But unable to delay their journey by walking around the mountains, Mordemau had hoped to find a way through them as a spirit. The journey was difficult and Mordemau began to hunger. Mordemau had brought food of sorts, yet they steadfastly refused to eat it instead giving their meal to a shrine they had visited in their youth, to the great stone goddess, Talega, who was impressed by Mordemau's discipline. And no sooner than Mordemau left the food and prayed to her for guidance, that a group of dwarves emerged from the stone face of the rock, having just finished a decades-long tunnel through the mountain. Mordemau smiled and walked through the dwarven passages unseen, for they were still a spirit. When they reached the other side of the mountains, Mortemau traveled for another day on the surface, unable to find sustenance. When they came upon the Grand River of Souls, overflowing and raging amidst a terrible storm, Mortemau had to swim through, for there was no boat nor bridge that could carry them, and they could not wait for the storm to end, so great was their mission. So swimming through the Great River of Souls, they could feel the emotions of loss longing and love that all creatures who live and once lived felt, and though they were certainly hungry, and the spirits of red-spined trout were swimming upriver in massive quantities easy enough to catch and consume, Mordemau did not eat the spirits of the fish that passed them. So the twin gods Eilditch and Neldich turned their gazes away from Mordemau, who could not be tempted and allowed him to pass the treacherous waters. Mordomau was famished as they reached the river's edge and they passed through the plains and swamps, but still no food, not of flesh, could they find on their path. Having heard Mordomau from her divine siblings and seeking to test him, Agala, goddess of fire, the source of all flame, appeared to him in the form of a strong and very insistent woman bearing spiritual food, the meats of animals and beasts already slain. Surely Mortemau would accept the flesh of a creature already slain by another. She offered these to Mortemau freely, seeking to test their resolve and cognitive dissonance in the face of starvation. Mortemau looked at these delicious baskets of cured meats, a splendid assortment with rare seasonings and samplings from every kind of creature imaginable. Even though they could not recognize the meats, Mortemau could smell their flavor, and the strength that the meat's consumption would bring them. Even just one bite would have been more than enough to refuel their spiritual strength. But Mortemau was not swayed and thanked the woman they did not know to be Agala in disguise for her offer. Now, they had some kind of philosophical discussion here that I'm not going to get into. But in short, Agala found a respect for the mortal and pointed Mortemau toward their intended destination a nearby forest that could only be reached by one who had been there before. Mortemal thanked the stranger again and continued into forests beyond where their most distant ancestors had ever traveled. Mortemal quickly became lost, and worse still, they could find no substance they deemed edible. Many opportunities presented themselves for an easy meal of spirit meat, and each time the human would free an unlucky animal from a trap, or brambles, or whatever ailed them. And while expected to fall to despair, Mortemau was no ordinary human, and would rather die than break their vow of peace. Jugoran, the god of the wilds, smiled at Mortemau's spirit from a great distance, and guided the predators of those woods away from them. But nearly falling over with hunger, Mordemau continued forward, one foot before the other, journeying toward Cromana, the realm of dreams and nightmares, without even realizing it, guided by the ghostly flickering lights of Agala, It was there, within the shifting forest of dreams, between the glimmers of light and the peculiar fey creatures that live there, that Mordemau recognized that their spiritual body began to reflect their physical one. Rather, somehow, Body and spirit had been reunited under the dancing lights of the spirit sky in this magical, metaphysical place. As they traveled, each step carrying the heavy weight of age, a life well lived, Mordemau gradually became aware of stillness within the woods, an unease. And this part I remember word for word. It was there in those woods that Mordemau felt both completely alone and yet joined by a presence singularly hateful and strong-willed, calling out from somewhere beyond even their perceptions with a threatening whisper, each word draining Mortimau of energy, crushing their will. Mortimau was forced to slow, sit, and eventually lie down and rest. As Mortemau's life began to fade into meaninglessness, The spirit said, Hark, he shall shall take form, child of the Grand Creator. The bell of bone will toll twice, heralding his arrival. Welcome, then, the first child of Fair Nui, with gifts of flesh and blood. None can stop his triumphant march, as his host consumes the flesh of friends and delivers him from Chromana. Thought will give form, our formless Lord, the neverborn God. Thought will give form, prepare for the neverborn God. It rhymes slightly better in the original tongue, I'm told. Uh, infernal, I believe. And as the old human strength gave out, Mordemau used their last breath to pray to the gods for the future of their village, but as their breath ended, Another came, and a figure stood over Mortemau, shielding them from the corrupting words. Illuvian himself, the god of suffering, lifted Mortemau's body and carried them the final few miles to the temple of Ferati, where the spider god waited, eager to meet the mortal that had gained the admiration of her siblings. Mortemau was themselves still unable to speak, being so weak, so Illuvian. Who had followed their journey with great interest, told Dreamweaver the story of Mortemau and their people, and of the journey undertaken. So move was Ferati, the weaver of fate, that she made Mortemau's dream a reality. And in a blink, Mortemau awoke in their village, which was now firmly within a sturdy fortress crafted by Telega, its grand stores filled with bountiful harvests by Jagorin and a new river of fresh water running directly beneath it. And like their reborn village, Mordemau awoke in a new body, young of flesh but old of spirit, given a second life by the gods. Mordemau became known as Kalad the Wise, and the entire village still lives within the walls of their fortress and does not eat meat. Sorin, Soren.
5: Soren. Are you awake? Soren. Uh. Soren. Oh. Good morning, Soren. Or should I say afternoon? What? I-, I
3: ask, how did I get here? Uh, you woke up. Woke up? Uh Oh, right. In
5: your, um... In my humble shop, yes. Is there anything in particular you're looking for?
3: Besides a little beauty sleep? <laughs> well, let me look around. It's a nice place. Roomy. Indeed. Where does that door lead?
5: That is not a door, sorry. Sauron? Soren, <sighs> oh, good morning, Soren, or should I say afternoon? What, Aias? I how did I get here? Uh, you woke up. Uh,
3: woke up? Uh, oh, right, in your um... in my
5: humble shop. Yes, the exact words you used were, "Well, there's only one
3: bed," but I thought that this was also an inn. You know with, with enough beds to use as a, a unit of measurement should a map be drawn of it? <laughs> that's one way
5: of putting it. Mara wasn't lying about you. Uh, who's Mara? And the dress, but that's not important. Is there anything in particular you're looking for, Soren? Uh it's so strange. I don't remember being here before. That's what your father said last night along with I've had worse. <laughs>
3: No, but seriously, this place is really nice. You should be very happy with it. I know I would be. I would be if it hadn't been stolen from me.
5: Stolen? I'd rather not talk about it if it's all the same to you. I've been on the road for days now and... Oh, fuck. I'm just getting
3: depressed. (laughs) But seriously, this place is really nice. You should be very happy with it. I... Uh... Except for the blood-covered gear covering the shelves. Oh, well. Beggars can't be choosers. Did they beg? Or did you kill them while they slept? Did you notice that I got a houseplant? Oh, great placement. No, that'll catch any water if the roof leaks again. Uh, wait, are we in a different inn? In a different inn. Honey. <laughs> uh, does, does this mean... I won't get to see you again.
5: Soren, I'm sorry to tell you this, but you died. Soren, 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 Soren. Soren. Oh. Good morning, Soren. Or should I say afternoon?
3: What? I- how did I get here? Uh, you woke up. Woke up?
5: Uh, oh, right, in your... um. In my humble shop, yes. Is there anything in particular you're looking for? Uh, that's a complex question.
3: Am I... do you know what's going
5: on? With the execution, you mean? Oh, sure, nasty business, that. Drink?
3: No, thank you. Execution? Yes,
5: not polite to gossip but they finally caught up with him it seems Caught up with who? That pale killer the mad ranger that haunts our children and our woods, the carver of the veil They found him still drenched in well, his latest victim We will all sleep the sweeter once the deed is done Now I really do think you should drink No I insist I I won't. won't We can watch the execution from the window there. Here, have a drink.
3: You know, that sounds just lovely. Excellent.
5: Here, a special concoction I've prepared just for you with a little aperitif of violet rock candy. On a stick? Of course.
3: Hmm. Hmm. Oh, this is nice.
5: It really was. They're about to cut the bastard's head off any year now, too, once
3: they catch him. You know, I, I feel like he's guilty. I don't really feel like he's guilty, you know? What makes you say that? The body's in your basement. That's what I said too.
5: Is there anyone in particular you're looking for? Daddy. Say that again, but maybe without the tears this time.
3: My dog's name was Daddy. A corgi shepherd mix, soft, fur-friendly smile. Saved my life more than once. I just... I just just want him back. Sometimes, you know. Do you know what it's like to lose a part of yourself?
5: I think pretty much everyone does by the time they finish puberty. He's
3: gone. And now, so am I.
5: Eh, you're just mad that we figured out that you were working with the cultists who started this.
3: Rise! I
5: would never work. With... Didn't they call you the carver of dreams or something like that?
3: <sighs> that wasn't
5: me. <laughs> <laughs> Tell that to the clay hag. Hag hag hag, hag
3: <audio>? How do you know her? The half wick. Sorin, sorin,
5: Soren. Sorin, Soren. Soren. Good morning, Soren. Or should I say afternoon?
3: What? How did I
5: get here? Uh, you woke up. Woke. Up,
3: right. In your. In my humble shop, yes. It's. It's so strange. It feels so familiar. Yet I, I don't think I've been here. Well, that's because you haven't been. We only just met in the woods, remember? Yes. It's. It's coming back to me now. Good. Good. I've been thinking a lot lately. When? I feel like I've been walking for days. I felt so alive in those woods, in the thoughts. They come to me when I walk, when I sit, when I wait. Anyway, sometimes I think that things would have been better off if I'd not gone.
5: You're saying this to the man with the most to lose from that statement?
3: I'm saying this to the man who knows what it cost. My skin.
5: My
2: voice. My body. My soul.
3: My mind. Do you despair, child? Heet our call. Whisper for us.
5: I was scarred. You were murdered. (laughs) Sorin, I am so sorry, friend.
3: Am I... am I dead? Where am I?
5: I I don't... She attacked you and... I was too scared to do anything. Oh, Darkness, please forgive me, Soren.
2: Ayus, it seems you've got some customers. <laughs>
5: Say, can I get a better look at that, Ayus? Sure, Balma. Uh, Soren, you're in the way. Could you move? Uh... Soren. Soren.
0: Soren.
4: Soren. Uh... Soren, you seem to have closed your eyes for a long time. Longer than humans I've seen blink. I believe that you may have been asleep. Oh just preparing for my
3: watch. <clears throat> I feel so much more than rested now.
4: How long has it been? Um about two minutes. Huh. You were uh talking in your sleep. Could you um could you understand anything I may have said? You said something about there being thirty four rules but that was all I could hear.
3: Well, now that my pre-watch rest is over and everyone's done eating, Balmer and I can begin our shift. But seriously, get some rest. You'll need the energy for tomorrow's journey.
1: And as the night grew colder, darker, and as the mist became heavy, the team settled in for the night, unaware that not all of them would remain to see the sunrise. Dark Dice, Chapter 2B, Quartet Starring Jeff Goldblum as Bomber, Peter Lewis as Soren Arkwright, Holly Billinghurst and Sean Howard as Galen Glom-Vogelberg, Russ D. Moore as Ildrix, and Travis Vengroff as Dungeon Master. This episode featured Caitlin Statz as Sister Savorite Caverns Fall, David Altaziah as Hinskeep, Hem Cleveland as Rowena Granite Pike, Athor Vitherson as Father Sindry Westpike, Kessie as Filki of Zarkath, and Stephen Malin as himself. This episode had dialogue editing by Sarah Baczynski of Polarity Audio Works, Marissa Ewing of Hemlock Creek Productions, and Dane Leonardson. It features sound design by Travis Fengroff and Dane Leonardson. Produced with additional editing and sound design by Travis Fengroff, with mixing and mastering by Hemlock Creek Productions. This episode featured music by Stephen Malin, Brandon Boone, Dane Leonardson, and Travis Fengroff. You can also check out our other shows like The White Vault, Vast Horizon, and Liberty. Links are provided in the show notes. To support this production and get access to bonus releases, music, world lore, art, and early access to future adventures and D and D materials, please join our Patreon at patreon.com/foolinscholar. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram as at Dark Dice Pod. This is a Fool and Scholar production. Thank you for listening.